Welcome to the Australian Abortion Stories podcast, a place where we can listen to and receive the story medicine of women and people's lived experience of abortion. We're here to decrease stigma, increase empathy and understanding, and to create a better world for all people through these stories. I'm your host, Kelsey, and before we begin, I'd like to acknowledge the Ghana and Gadigal people of the lands on which this podcast is hosted. I also extend that respect to the people of the lands on which you are listening from today, and any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander person who is listening. It always was, and always will be, Aboriginal land. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Australian Abortion Stories. I'm Cass, uh, your host for today and in this week's episode I had the opportunity to sit down with Dr. Karen who is a GP based down in Victoria and this is a little bit of a different episode. It's not a story sharing episode, it is a information episode based episode that's what I'm going to call it uh Karen talks about being a GP that offers medical abortion she also shares a lot about access and abortion statistics this is a really great one to listen to if you just want to scrub up on your knowledge about abortion in Australia in current times and also to share with anyone that you think needs some information about access or also needs to scrub up on their knowledge of abortion. Um, Really grateful that I had the chance to sit down with Karen. We talk a lot about, you know, how far we've come, how far we have to go. But overall, it was a really eye-opening conversation for me to have. Despite talking about abortion all the time, there are still things that I learn in each chat that I have so yeah I hope that the listeners get as much out of this episode as I did um uh, as always put the state by state organizations in the show notes and a little link if you would like to buy us a coffee welcome to this week's episode of Australian abortion stories On today's episode, we have the wonderful Karen, who has taken time out of her Friday morning to sit down with me. And we have a little bit of a different episode this week. So Karen is a health professional and you offer medical abortion through your practice. Amazing. Um, Before we get started, I would just like to acknowledge that I am on unceded Gadigal land And Karen, you have just moved house, so you are now on. (laughs) Thank you for having me and just acknowledging that I'm currently recording on the country of the Wurundjeri people um, and sovereignty was never ceded. Thank you. Did you want to start off just by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got into this line of work? Sure. So I'm a GP, um, so a, a doctor, a health professional, and I currently am a medical abortion provider, um, as are 10% of GPs in this country and hopefully more soon. Uh, I have been quite passionate about sexual and reproductive health for easily over a decade now. Um, I kind of started off being quite passionate about contraception, which I absolutely still am. Um, I guess 
in medical school, I you have this option where you can take a year off and write a thesis, which which is the most thrilling thing to do. Um, and I wrote a little thesis on contraception, really loved it, got really passionate about the area. And then when I graduated and started working as a doctor, I did a bit of work um, in Obzangani and worked in abortion clinics, so medical and surgical, really, really loved it. And then took a year off from clinical medicine and went overseas to London um, and did a Master's of Sexual and Reproductive Health at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. Through that, became really, really passionate about abortion. Uh, realised that abortion access is probably the most important thing um, in terms of kind of ensuring reproductive rights all across the world. And we're incredibly lucky in Australia to have relatively good access compared to the rest of the world, but we are far from where we need to be. Um, so ended up kind of doing a bit of research in the UK and a bit of teaching for medical students about abortion access in the UK. And now in Australia, I do kind of sexual and reproductive health education to high school students um, through a group called Elephant Ed, as well as through university and still involved in research in terms of contraception and abortion access. So very, very passionate about it and a very proud provider of medical abortion and contraception. Wow. <laughs> That is such an impressive list. I feel like my, my eyebrows are just like slowly raising as you're talking. That is incredible. Absolutely. Well, it's only incredible. just one thing, which is abortion and contraception, just done in a couple yeah. of different ways. <laughs> you have one passion. <laughs> incredible. And um, how long have you been providing medical abortion through so your not, clinic? Not very long. I'm, I'm a relatively new GP. So when I was a hospital doctor, I provided it through kind of the hospital system. But as a GP, I've only been a GP for a couple of years. So this is all really like relatively new to me as well. Wow. And I believe you had a few stats to sort of share with our listeners. Was that in relation to abortion in Australia and how we sort of weigh up on a global scale? Uh, was that about medical abortion in particular? Got stats for everything. It's a very medical thing to have your stats all ready to go. We love our stats, but we've um, never had, I don't know if we've ever done <laughs> stats, like medical stats or the podcast. I'm like, this is not my area of expertise at all, but it is yours. So <laughs> well, I'm a huge fan of your podcast and I think it's incredibly important. And I'm just here to give a, a medical perspective. Uh, so just to kind of, you know, put in my own little two cents as well. Um, look, look, I think some of the key stats that people need to know just to really try to conceptualise how important abortion is in Australia is we know that one in four people of reproductive age, and I'll kind of use people of reproductive age and women kind of interchangeably, but one in four people of reproductive age in Australia will have an abortion in their lifetime. So one in four, it's incredibly common. And another way to kind of conceptualise that stat is that about half of all pregnancies in this country are unplanned. Now, unplanned could mean unintended, it could mean unwanted, it could mean too early. There's lots of different ways to conceptualise that. But out of all the unintended pregnancies, about a third of them, so 30.4%, will end in abortion. So abortion is incredibly common, incredibly common. Everyone probably knows someone who has had or will need an abortion in their lifetime. So incredibly, incredibly common. And I think kind of some of the other stats, just to kind of put a little bit of a global lens in it, um, is that 
we are lucky in Australia that abortion is legal, it's safe, it's accessible, yet we've definitely got far to go. But kind of looking at a global lens in it, we know that worldwide there are 80 million unintended pregnancies a year. So worldwide there's 80 million unintended pregnancies a year. Of those, 45 million are terminated. So 45 million terminations globally, annually. And of those, 19 million are unsafe. So there's 19 million unsafe abortions a year. And just to kind of put a global lens in it, 68,000 women die of unsafe abortion globally a year. It's incredibly common. It's incredibly serious. And I think sometimes we kind of forget to put that global lens on it. These figures are all from the WHO as well. Um, and just I know I'm throwing stats out there. I'll, I'll, I'll cool down on the stats. But one thing that um, I think people have a big misconception on is, well, you know, if we just had better contraception access and there wouldn't be a need for abortion. But if every single person in the world who needed contraception and if contraception was used perfectly in every single sexual encounter, there would still be 6 million unintended pregnancies a year. So no matter how good we are with contraception, there's still always, always, always going to be unintended pregnancies and there is always going to be a need for abortion. And especially putting these global figures into context, having safe, accessible and affordable contraception is paramount. Wow. <laughs> I have not considered the the global stats before. I have never heard them before. So that was incredibly eye-opening for me and I know it will be for a lot of people listening. So thank you. Um, and to highlight how important access to safe abortion is mm. when you're looking at those stats, unbelievable. Um, did you, one of the questions that Kelsey and I had a chat about, and I think this is drawing on my own personal experience a little bit was I had a GP for about three years before my unplanned pregnancy and knew that she worked in the area of women's health. I knew she was absolutely wonderful. So when I went to her to sort of find out whether I needed a referral or I had a few questions and I wanted some blood work done, I knew that I was going to the right place. I knew that I could have a conversation with her and that I was going to be received and respected. Um, is there any way for people who are listening who maybe have found themselves in a similar situation and are questioning whether their GP is the right person to go to or to whether the GP actually offers medical abortion? How do we find this information? Such an important question. And I'm so glad that you have a good GP and someone you can trust and someone who provides this. Um, so firstly, only around 10% of GPs in this country are currently providers of medical abortion. So something that I'm really passionate about is getting more GPs to prescribe medical abortion. Um, now, in saying that, there's a few different ways that you can know if a GP prescribes or how to access it. So depending on which state you live in, there's usually a whole bunch of phone services or um, online resources that can tell you who is a provider. So in Victoria, 1-800-MY-OPTIONS, which is an unbelievable website and phone line, you can call them and they'll say, well, you live here, this is the closest uh, abortion provider, and they can direct you to services. 
In Queensland, it's Children by Choice. In South Australia, it's the Pregnancy Advisory Centre or SHINE in SA. In New South Wales, it's Family Planning New South Wales. And if you're ever unsure, there's always a family planning or a sexual health organisation in every city, right? Um, now, some hospitals are providers, but I think calling up the those services are a really good way to figure out if your GP provides or who the local service is. And there's always usually kind of a sexual health group that provides as well. The next thing you can do is go on their website. So some websites will say it, some won't. I wish more did, but on websites, they'll often say we do provide medical abortion here. But the other way to do it is to call the receptionist. Receptionists are a wealth of information. And of course, it can be obviously quite intimidating to call up, but this is a really common thing. We get calls all the time about everything under the sun. So calling up your local clinic or a clinic you might want to go to and saying, look, I just want to, I just want to wonder, do you provide medical abortion? Uh, the receptionist will be able to tell you if they do and who the doctor is at the clinic who does it. That is amazing information. And we will link those uh, state by state organizations that you can call in the show notes <laughs> actually uh 1800 100 my options has an amazing resource which yeah. is which is is you know all for doctors to encourage them to be medical abortion providers as well so it's great well, love i love one my options <laughs> oh yes <laughs> they've shared our podcast as well i thought that was really cool <laughs> they're amazing they're amazing they are um that is fantastic information and I think something too that people can do before there's a pregnancy you can call your GP and just be like hey for <laughs> just sure wondering for sure yeah yeah <laughs> I think it really helps too to be able to refer that to friends or family or anybody that you care about to have that knowledge and be able to share it on um yeah it's a fantastic resource and you have a podcast yourself which Correct. is why you're so incredibly well-spoken. <laughs> you're used to doing this. <laughs> um, did you want to share a little bit about your podcast and the sort of change that you're hoping to generate through that podcast? Sure. sure. So I um, actually currently run two podcasts, both with a slightly different spin. So one of them is just medical education. So it's kind of for medical students. Um, it's called Humorous Hacks, so Humorous Like the Bone, and it's just a medical education podcast. And started doing that just because I really wanted to try and study in a fun way, and then I put it all on a podcast. Um, so that's that's really fun. And now I run um, a, a much smaller scale podcast, which is called the Sphere Sexual and Reproductive Health Podcast. And that's really there for any clinician, so pharmacists, nurses, um, practice managers, anyone who's kind of involved in the provision aspect of medical abortion, just to kind of create a practical resource to be a provider of medical abortion. Um, because, you know, however much there's lots of advocacy and lots of different angles for medical abortion, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done to make sure medical abortion is more accessible through the general practice framework of this country. Is it a difficult process for a GP to offer medical abortion? Uh, so in short, no. Um, we are constantly upskilling and doing more training in things left, right and centre. Uh, and each GP listening knows that we've got constant CBD points that we need to do. So the best way to do it is you go on MS2STEP. So MS2STEP is the name of the medical abortion medication. 
So ms2step.com.au and it's got a, yeah, ms2step.com.au, I just double check that. Um, there's a training module which takes about three to four hours, sometimes more, sometimes less, depending on how fast or slow you are. It's completely free and you finish the training. And once you finish that training, you are a registered provider and then you can prescribe MS2Step. The course wow. is fantastic. It's really good. It's really comprehensive. It's done in an excellent way. And once you've done that, you are registered to prescribe. Um, me thinking <laughs> it was a big, long process. No, no. <laughs> Why doesn't everybody? <laughs> now I'm sitting here thinking I'm a little bit confused. Why is it 10% of GPs offering it if it's a simple process? Um, wow. Okay. Mm. Do you think with the sort of that training being available, do you see there being forward movement in GPs offering medical abortion? I hope so. And I think it is increasing, you know, as we go and, um, you know, it is, it is still a service and I do understand that there's still quite a lot of stigma and some hesitation about being a provider and, and hopefully that's slowly, slowly becoming more accessible overall. Um, and I do know that not everyone will be a provider in the same way that not all GPs want to do skin checks. You know, sometimes the benefit of GP is having uh, a variety in your practice. Um, but I do, I do encourage, you know, anyone who sees their GP, feel free to ask them if they do provide it and, you know, just to make sure more and more GPs are providers. Amazing. Uh, one of the questions that we had for anyone listening that perhaps doesn't know what a medical abortion involves and is there any difference between accessing medical abortion through your GP as opposed to going through a clinic? Yeah, that's a really, really good question. Um, if it's useful, I can also kind of talk about what to expect if you see your GP for a medical abortion. Yes, that would be <laughs> wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> so in Australia, there, will, there are two types of abortion. So there's medical abortion and surgical abortion. So there's no right or wrong. It's all about choice. It's all about what feels right for you. Um, but there are some kind of limitations that make choosing one or the other sometimes more important. So both of them are legal, both of them are totally safe and both of them are incredibly um, effective, right? So a surgical abortion, which is what I think historically most people thought an abortion was. So a surgical abortion, um, just to kind of provide a bit of context, is up to 99% effective and it normally happens um, before 12 weeks of pregnancy. So a full pregnancy is 40 weeks, first trimester is 12 weeks. Surgical can, can go a bit later, but kind of classically that's when it happens. It's a light sedation, so a twilight sedation, so you're asleep, and it's what's called a suction aspiration. So kind of gently the um, contents of the uterus of the products of conception are gently removed. The whole thing is about 5 to 15 minutes. It's a really quick procedure. Um, very safe, very effective, and it normally just happens. You know, you go in in the morning, you come home in the afternoon, and it's done. A medical abortion is a little bit different. So a medical abortion is done with medication, so it happens at home. So a medical abortion is only accessible up to nine weeks of pregnancy or 63 days. So if you're a little bit later on in your gestation, it might not be accessible to you, so only available up to nine weeks. And it's really effective, so about up to 98% effective. 
Medical abortion is two different medications, so mifepristone and misoprostol. And there's actually some really cute Instagram pages where they call it the iconic duo of mifepristone and misoprostol. I have said that. Yeah, they're pretty cute. Um, And those medications kind of work together to end a pregnancy. So you take mifepristone, which is, um, I guess, the medication which stops the pregnancy, And then 36 to 48 hours later, you take misoprostol, which is the medication that expels the pregnancy. And usually uh, what would happen is you'd have that occur at home. So you'd have bleeding, pain and pass kind of blood and clots at home and the comfort of your own home with a support person next to you. The bleeding does obviously last a little bit longer um, and you are awake. So, you know, some people do experience pain of course but normally your GP will prescribe some pretty decent pain medication and nausea medication to go with that um there's pros and cons with each again all of it is based around what feels right for you so again that gestational limit so if you're less than nine weeks medical abortion is available to you if you're more than nine weeks then it's it's a bit too late to have a medical abortion you also need to make sure that you have someone with you at home which some people don't have. So having someone with you at home and you also need to stay in the country for two weeks afterwards or stay close to medical care for two weeks afterwards in the case of a complication. Um, So again, some people kind of want to go into a clinic, kind of want to have it done and dusted in one day, go to a clinic and and that's it. Whereas other people really like the idea of having the abortion from the comfort of their own home. So again, no right or wrong. It's, It's all about what feels right for you. And with, thank you for clarifying that perfectly (laughs) and what I wanted to ask with the clinics they offer a well some of them do I'm not sure if I can speak for all clinics but there is a sort of care line that you can call if you have questions is this is there something similar available when accessing abortion through your GP yeah yeah absolutely absolutely so there's a care line um available so firstly most GPs are open most days so are really accessible um the other thing excuse me having a medical abortion via the MS two-step method there's also a kind of a phone line that you can call which your GP will give you so there's a kind of a 24-hour nurse support line so if you have a medical abortion you think oh gosh is the bleeding too much or you know is this appropriate or acceptable you can call the phone line um in fact I think I've got it right here 1300 515 883 and it's fantastic and they'll kind of provide you support so it's, it's a very supported process wonderful that was a big question that I had um, about <laughs> medical abortion through a GP and there was something else I was going to ask. Oh, the follow-up. Is there any sort of follow-up? Is, would that require another appointment? Sure. That, yeah. Do you want me to kind of talk through the general journey that someone can expect if yes. they're going to their GP? Yeah, yeah. Yes, so it would be amazing. Of course, of course. Now, every GP does it differently. Every clinic is different. So I'm just going to speak about what we do. But again, Every GP and every clinic is different, but most follow this kind of model. So it's normally a three appointment model. Um, Now, it seems a lot more than most people expect, but I'll explain the reason for that. So there's usually a first appointment. That first appointment is there for kind of information gathering and organizing um, scans and pathology. So that first appointment, your doctor will work out how many weeks are you, so the first date of your last menstrual period. Um, 
They'll work out all your medical conditions. So if you have any medical contraindications, so for example, if you're on steroids, if you have any medical conditions, if um, there's any medications that they need to know about, and they'll also kind of do a little bit of counselling in terms of do you want medical abortion, surgical abortion, um, and kind of discuss your specific situation. In that first appointment, we usually have to organise a couple of tests. So usually blood tests, so that blood test will work out what your beta HCG, so beta HCG is your blood level of um, pregnancy, so what your pregnancy hormone level is. There's other blood tests that you can organise. Every GP is a little bit different, but I tend to organise just a haemoglobin and an iron studies, making sure they're not anemic. Um, and then depending on the individual situation, we can organise some other blood tests as well. Um, and then the other thing that is usually organised in that visit is an ultrasound. Now, an ultrasound is something that a lot of people don't realise that you need to get. Um, there's a lot of research going into whether or not an ultrasound will be relevant in the future and in some countries we don't do it and that's a whole other conversation but at the moment as it stands in Australia you do need to get an ultrasound. There's two reasons for that. Number one is to confirm date and number two is to confirm location. So date is to say well how far along is that pregnancy? So again for medical abortion it has to be less than nine weeks um, and the other is location. So to rule out something like an ectopic pregnancy where it's so a pregnancy in your tubes. Um, most GPs will be linked in with a local uh, ultrasound or sonographer who tends to make sure the scans are done in an appropriate way um, and often tries to be low cost as well, um, but acknowledging that this is obviously a limiting um, step and can be quite a frustrating step to go through as well. But again, it's, it's just there for the sake of kind of legality and safety too. So you have that first appointment, the GP will get all the information and organise those two things, so an ultrasound and bloods. That's appointment number one. Uh, appointment number two is you then go back to the GP and this is for the provision of the medications. So the medications can only be provided if there's no contraindication, so no kind of the bloods haven't shown up anything that they weren't expecting, the pregnancy is in the right dates and the right location. Um, and then you'll normally have to go through a bit of an information sheet and sign a consent form to kind of say that you've consented to actually undertaking a medical abortion. Again, it will always be discussed again if you want medical or surgical and all your options out there. Um, now, there's lots and lots and lots of things that happen during that consent process, but it's really just there to just to be as safe as possible. Um, but generally, the most important things are making sure that you have a support person there with you, you understand where the local ED is in the case of emergency, and you're going to be in town for two weeks just in case of any complications. Um, at my clinic, we make sure we pre-get the medication, so the medications are there, whereas sometimes they will get you to go to the pharmacy afterwards to pick up the medication. So different models at different GP practices. You'll then get the medications. You'll normally be given some anti-nausea tablets and some pain medication as well. Um, you'll go home and it will kind of be with all that information and all the medications. Uh, so that's appointment number two, which is when you actually get the medications. And then appointment number three is a follow-up. So some GP practices do this in person, some do it over the phone, some people do it with a nurse, and that's normally to make sure that the abortion um, occurred as intended. So usually you need to get a blood test or a low sensitivity urine pregnancy test prior to that appointment. So to make sure that 
pregnancy hormone level, that beta-HCG is downtrending appropriately, aka it worked. Uh, and that's also that appointment there is also for a debrief. It's to make sure that um, there was no complications, so to run through any of that. And it's also there to provide the opportunity to talk about contraception, um, you know, pending individual situation and preferences. So that's the kind of general overview of, of what to expect when you see your GP or go to a service for medical abortion. Thank you so much for doing <laughs> Wow. I feel like I have learned so much from this conversation. So many things that I didn't know about. <laughs> um, and that is fantastic. It sounds like all everything is covered. I guess that was something I wondered whether it took place going through a GP, what that sort of difference was between going to a clinic and going mm. to a GP. But it, it sounds like that continuity of care is there and I imagine that if you have a good relationship with your GP and you're you know, sitting down with somebody like yourself that that would be yeah just such uh, I don't know the word for it but I guess a relief a relief is what I think to go through that and to know that you have the support of somebody um yeah Amazing. I think it's so wonderful that you offer that and are sort of paving the way for more people to offer that. I think it will bring about fantastic change. Um, is there anything that you can speak to in regards to if a medical abortion through the GP is doesn't work? Is there any sort of process there? I know that we have spoken to a few people on the podcast now who have had incomplete abortions and I think the step from there was really confusing and quite mm. a big gray area for them um I'm not sure if that is an area that you would like sure to for sure for sure um now medical abortion is you know up to 98 percent effective um but of course there's complications and again I really can't emphasize they are very rare and they're not very common, but of course it's important to be aware of them. Um, so there's a few. So some people bleed quite a lot and so you can have problematic bleeding. Um, and if you're bleeding excessively, that needs to be escalated. And if the abortion is unsuccessful, so it doesn't work. Um, and then very, very rarely there can be infection as well. But they're all kind of complications that can happen. Um, so normally what I say to people is, you know, the GP, again, is usually open five, six days a week, is go back to see your GP. Uh, and you can also call the MS Health, kind of the MS Two-Step phone line, which is 24-7. In the case of an emergency, of course, going to the emergency department is paramount um, in the same case of any emergency. So that's exactly what the emergency department is there for. Uh, one thing I always do is I write a letter to the emergency department when I give MS two steps. So when I give a medical abortion, I say, you're probably never going to need to use this, but in case of emergency, it's there. It's just got all your information there just in case. Um, there's lots of ways to manage complications. It depends on what it is. Sometimes it's a matter of giving some extra medications just to make sure everything is expelled. And sometimes people do go on to need a surgical termination. So needing a gentle suction um, under anesthetic just to remove any remaining products. Again, this is rare, but it's absolutely a known complication of what can happen. Uh, and your GP, the eight local EDs should be able to support you in all of those situations. 
my mic just lagged there. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so very much. Um, that That's all my questions. They are done. So I wanted to, I guess, leave it open for you to share anything else that you had prepared or perhaps that you know about that I do not know about um, and anything that might be, I guess, helpful for our listeners. Sure. Well, firstly, I'm really, really thankful to be on this podcast. I think it's such an important podcast. I'm thrilled to be part of it. I will totally acknowledge that there's a lot of GPs and clinicians out there who are really passionate about this, but it can definitely be hard to find a GP or a clinician that you feel safe and comfortable with in order to do it. Um, And just kind of an emphasis that there's a lot of phone lines available to find the right person for you. Just a re-acknowledgement that this is another part of healthcare. I see this as just a normal part of my job in the same way that doing a skin check is or doing a mold check or, you know, looking after a broken arm. It's it's just another part of healthcare. Uh, In fact, it's a pretty straightforward part in the scheme of things. Um, You know, it's just two medications. Um, So (laughs) a lot of the regulations are just a hangover from kind of the legal frameworks of it. Just a re-emphasis that this is a super common, super, super common procedure. There's no shame at all to feel about it. Um, Finding the type of abortion that feels right for you, medical or surgical, there's no right or wrong. It's all about finding something that fits in with your life and your situation and finding a GP that you trust um, and someone that you feel can help you through that process is, of course, paramount as well. And feel free to ask your own GP if they're a provider of medical abortion. (laughs) Yes, please do. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. The change we will create. (laughs) Clinics getting calls being like, do you offer? (laughs) Just wondering, just wondering. Amazing. Thank you so, so much. You just articulated all of that perfectly. I think Kelsey and I really wanted to be able to sit down with somebody like yourself and just go into these things and clear up some of the gray areas because right now there are so many gray areas and the thing that stands out when we interview people is just how different each abortion experience is and of course how people access is so different it's all of the people that I know have access to abortion in completely different ways and Mm -hmm. it's like how can we offer some kind of information about what people can do and think that will provide people I hope it will provide people with a little bit of relief and a clearer path if it's something that they are experiencing or one day experience so thank you so much for taking the time Of course. Oh, one thing I actually probably could add on the note of access, which I think is really important. This is kind of one of the positive changes that came from the pandemic is telehealth abortion is so much more accessible than it's ever been before. So people who live in rural and remote locations in which there might not be a GP in the town, there might not be an easy person to access, or you just might not want to speak to them. You can access a telehealth abortion with someone, you know, who lives elsewhere or a GP that lives elsewhere in a much more accessible way than we've ever been able to do before. Um, So there's heaps of other options out there. Telemedicine has been a huge, huge, huge shift in this area, uh, which is really exciting. But also really just acknowledging that 
you know, however much we give those global stats, we are far, far from where we need to be in Australia. And I mm. hope that one day our access is a hell of a lot better than it is. Uh, but we're getting there. We're getting there. And <laughs> it can be a tricky thing to navigate. But this is exactly why these stories and conversations are so important to normalize mm. it, to hear what's out there. And the more we know, the better. Yes, definitely. Yes. I forgot about the telehealth. There yeah. is. I think most clinics provide it and yeah. it's also available. So through the GPs that offer medical abortion. Correct. Do they all offer telehealth abortion? Or they should do. It- they should do. I can't talk for everyone, but but most people do. So wow. telehealth abortion is more accessible than you think. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Yes, just to to flag that for, so we have had some people that we've interviewed that have been from rural areas and the struggle for access is very real. And I think something that I often forget about being in a major city. Yeah, Uh, ditto. So yes, definitely. Telehealth is is a game changer, an absolute game changer. Wonderful. We'll go back. (laughs) Thank you again. I appreciate it. I th- thank you so much for reaching out because we had been wanting to do something like this for a while now and I really appreciate it and we will I will pop those the sort of stats and links in the show notes for anybody listening so we can have those resources there and available. And if anyone's listening that wants to find your podcasts, where can they go? Sure. So, well, my medical education podcast has absolutely nothing to do with abortion whatsoever. It's just about, it's just about um, medicine overall. So it's very niche, but if you are a medical student or a nursing student or a physio student, it's called humorous hacks, a humorous like bone. But if you do work in this area and you want to find out more about how you can be a provider, the other podcast is called Sphere Sexual and Reproductive Health Podcast. There's only a few episodes, but it's really just there for providers and for clinicians and for clinics to work out how to be a provider. Wonderful. I did listen to a couple of your episodes and they are fantastic, even though oh, good. I did not know what. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's oh, it's a little bit went a tiny bit over my head here. But Well, there's a and, lot of logistics when you start talking about Medicare yeah. item numbers and the kind of the prescriber yeah. PBS hotline. It's, it, it gets, it's a whole thing. <laughs> I think that's the episode I listened to and I was like, wow, there's so much I do not know about. So if you're interested in abortion and you want to find out as well how much there is to it, um, I definitely recommend checking out Karen's podcast. All right. Well, we might leave it there. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Not a problem. It was really wonderful to talk to you. thank you for listening to another episode of australian abortion stories it is my hope and prayer for this podcast that the generous sharing of this story and all abortion stories may create positive ripples in our world to help reduce abortion stigma increase understanding and empathy of people and women who have had abortions and ultimately lead to a better world for humankind If listening to this story has brought anything up for you, I encourage you to reach out to your support networks and take care of yourself. Go for a walk, sit in the sun, have a cup of tea, whatever you need to do, um, go do it. And I'll also provide some links in the show notes of phone lines and services you can access if you need. 
If you got something out of this episode, please share it to your socials or share it with somebody you think may benefit from the story or leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify. You can also help contribute to ongoing podcast costs, aka Zoom's empire, by using the Buy Me A Coffee link in the show notes or in our Instagram page. If you're interested in sharing your own abortion story on the podcast, you can submit an expression of interest form via the link in our show notes or in our Instagram. And lastly, but not leastly, (laughs) um, we'll see you in another week or fortnight's time with another episode. So until then, take care of yourself and take care of each other.